Gabe. Hi, I'm Allison. Oh, I know. I'm Blair. You're really pretty. You are too. You used to be an actress and now you're a director. Why'd you give it up? I didn't. So do you guys have a plan for this place? I don't really know what we're doing. We were living in Brooklyn and it was getting so expensive and we weren't really working, so. I figured if um, I never learned how to cook, then I would never become a housewife. You're really hard to read. Yeah, you know what, I get that all the time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me as always is... Thomas. And today we are discussing the 2020 Lawrence Michael Levine movie, Black Bear, starring Aubrey Plaza, Christopher Abbott, and Sarah Gaydon. But first, Thomas, can you read for us the IMDb synopsis? A filmmaker at a creative impasse seeks solace from her tumultuous past at a rural retreat, only to find the woods summon her inner demons in intense and surprising ways. All right. Uh, so this was your pick. What uh, what did you what did you think of Black Bear? I enjoyed it. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a really good performance from Aubrey Plaza that sort of holds this movie down. Uh, a little clunky on the first end. Admittedly, it was a little rocky at times where I thought the dialogue was kind of rough, but I think... Hmm. Part of that, I feel like, might be by design after finishing the entire movie and without spoiling it. Yeah, I think the entire piece is pretty cerebral and a a nice way to unpack some ways that creative people use each other in like, or, you know, a way that creative people do and achieve certain things and what the lengths that are taken to get certain results in the artistic world, specifically on a film set. Yeah. Um, the synopsis really doesn't give much away. I was even looking at the IMDb, um, plot description and it, it doesn't give away what this movie is. I feel like it's hard to talk about fully without getting into spoilers. It's a very easy movie to spoiler. Um, just the structure of it is a spoiler. Yeah. But, um, without getting into that, uh, I was pretty blown away by the performances here. I wasn't sure what to make of Christopher Abbott initially because we've seen him in Possessor and now we're seeing him in this. And it kind of felt like, I don't know, I wasn't getting a lot of range from him. But then the movie has a shift and you get to see you get to see him give a very different performance. Um, yeah. And I really liked that. Aubrey Plaza, yeah. I mean, ever since seeing her in Ingrid Goes West. Have you seen Ingrid Goes West? I have not. See, that's the thing. I'm not really familiar with her more dramatic or recent movie content. And so this was the first time I've seen her do like a performance that was on the heavier dramatic side. And yeah, I was really blown away too on the second half. Yeah. Ingrid Goes West. When I saw that, it felt like like a classic Hollywood, like this is a a fantastic actress. And I feel like it's only a matter of time until like a role comes along where she is in the running for you know, um, you know, best actress Oscar or something. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, yeah, here, I don't think it's, I don't think this is going to be the one, um, because I, it just doesn't feel like Oscar style movie, but, um, yeah, I mean, she, she did a great job here. Sarah Gaydon. I I don't know who Sarah Gaydon is. I don't think I've, I I saw her in enemy, but I don't think I've really seen her in much else. Uh, Okay. And, uh, 
I don't know, like this, I really love how this movie lets you see the range of these people. Um, yeah, and that's one of the things because I was watching this movie and I was like, okay, I like, I'm excited about this because of Aubrey Plaza. I want to see the, the sort of dramatic range she can do. And on the first couple of scenes, I guess we're going to, I would like to guess we're going to start getting into it. But on the first couple of scenes, the conversations were a little weird and a little awkward. And I was just like, okay, this is seems to be taking a really strange direction the way that they're talking about. Uh, do you like to smile? And I don't like compliments. And the, like the dialogue is very circular. And yeah, it, it, it was very odd in the beginning. And as it goes, as it progresses, it, it changes and shifts quite dramatically. And so, yeah, I, should we might, should we just get into it? Um, so to speak. Well, before we get into spoilers, okay. there's so there's a dinner scene pretty early in the movie. Like speaking of dialogue. There's a dinner scene pretty early in the movie. What did you make of that? Because I was fucking... Yeah, go ahead. I like that dinner scene a lot, but uh, I was thinking of the two scenes scenes that come before it. I I wasn't too into upon first watching it, and I was like, yeah, like it's really odd, the thing that they're just talking about, but everything gets redeemed for me in that dinner scene because we get a lot more just straight-up character development because the character Blair, she's pregnant, and she's like just pouring some extra glasses of wine and she's yeah. going a little bit she's going a little too far with it and and um Gabe is like okay he's like you know trying to tell her to stop and then she's just like completely just like ignoring him and then yeah they're talking about feminism and yeah I, I like the way that this sort of character unfolds in the conversation yeah I think it's really good and yeah it gets into some really dark territory very quickly um it, during that dinner scene it almost feels like every other line or maybe every line uh chris Abbott's character and sarah gaden's character they're they're playing a couple and it feels like every line they are negating what the other character is saying and yeah. they're just it's not it's an argument but it's not an aggressive argument it is just like you're wrong you're wrong <laughs> you're wrong back and yeah, forth yeah it's it slowly builds and yeah there's one of my favorite little parts in in the beginning is he's like, yeah, like I'm an artist, I get paid for this. She's like, well, like you, like these royalty checks are only like yeah. fifty two cents or something like that. And he's like, well, you he's know, like, you don't still... stop being a musician. And like... yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and then she digs at him again when she's like, no, no, like she's telling Allison to continue talking. Like it's, I've never got a chance to really pick the mind of a real artist before. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, we just cuts. he doesn't we don't he doesn't say anything, but we get like a reaction shot. Yeah, just cut to Gabe just being devastated. But like the way that dinner scene is shot, it's it feels like it's they're using these like long lenses for the over the shoulder scenes because it feels so intimate. It feels like you're sitting right there with them kind of. Yeah, yeah. And that just like makes it it was fucking gut wrenching (laughs) like watching that scene. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, then she's continuing to pour the swine. And then, yeah, Gabe is slowly like edging on the team Allison and like sort of supporting the way that she's being very blase and like just kind of feeding into the things that he's talking about, whether it be about patriarchy or, you know, whether women are, were happier, quote unquote, back in, back in the older days. And yeah, yeah. Like Blair just kind of slowly like loses the support and then like gets kind of unraveled and takes up on stairs. Yeah. And they're, stairs. they're playing this game of allegiances. It feels like where it feels like each of them is trying to get Aubrey Plaza's character on their side. Yeah. Um, and she's, wavering in a way that doesn't feel like it's actually beneficial to either character. <laughs> yeah, it's just like again, it's the it's set up to be that she's 
doing this Airbnb thing. She's this artist and, or she's a writer director. She's just going to to get some time to write and to be creative. But then yeah, she's like also just wedging this couple apart. It's like a couple who is at another impasse. The fact that they're expecting this newborn baby. And that's also there. There's, it wasn't very stable to begin with. And so this seems to be the catalyst yeah, of it they're all. They're completely just wrong for each other. This, yeah. And they're completely wrong for each other, but also like Allison's uh, appearance into the equation is to, is like the catalyst that just breaks it all apart. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe now we can get into spoiler territory. Um, cool. But actually, how much did you know about this movie before you watched no, it? I didn't Nothing. know anything. Okay, I same. Just, yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even watch a trailer or anything. I think I think I had seen the poster, but I didn't remember the poster until after I'd watched the movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was yeah, pretty I going in blind, pretty much. Yeah, totally. And yeah, the first portion of this movie, which is also it's noted early, there's a, a title card that says Part One. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bear by, I think, uh, I wrote it down on the other page, but yeah, I think it's The Bear, not The Bear by The, the Bear by The House The Bear in the Road is The Bear in the Road, correct, yeah. yes, Bear in the Road in the first one, and so I was thinking about that imagery a lot <laughs> during this first half. Yeah, I I think I was like still fussing around the house or something after I'd, I'd put the movie on, so I missed that until we get to, and now we're in spoilers, until we get to part two and there's a title card. And I was like, wait a minute, was there a title card for part one? So I had yeah. to rewind to actually see it. But, yeah, um, wait, and should we mention like the last little portion of part one? Before yeah, we get yeah. To part two? Okay, okay, so I guess in towards the end of this argument, uh, Blair runs upstairs and she's basically, she's packing her bags and she's ready to leave and Gabe goes up and sort of wins her back and they have a nice little... Yeah, reassures moment. her that he loves her and yeah, yeah yeah and yeah meanwhile allison is like on the ledge just like sort of drinking more steadily and eventually finds her way back out to the water and starts to take a swim and yeah after uh, i think yeah blair like goes to sleep gabe goes out and with the towel and embraces her and starts to go swim and they kind of work yeah. their way back up into the side house and start to hook up and as they're hooking up blair comes in and hits him over the head with this Buddha that was mentioned earlier in the scene. <laughs> Buddha statue. Yeah. yeah, this Buddha statue. And they start to get into the scuffle and they have this like, this where it felt very, I even wrote it now, it felt kind of like, this is going to be this film schooly kind of thing where they get into this fight and she's going to fall over and then like this pregnant, like, at least it, it didn't feel like, I don't know why film school is the term that came to my head, but I was like, this kind of, I, like, I totally see where this is going and this is very predictable in the way this is going to unfold. They get into a little bit of a physical altercation. Blair gets knocked over. She starts to bleed. Then they need to yeah. rush to the hospital. They get into the car. Allison's driving. And there's a bear in the road. And she swerves, hits a tree. And then we cut <laughs> cut to black. Yeah. And when that happened, so as soon as she falls and the baby's injured, I was like, I don't know if I like where this is going. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then the car accident happens and my fear was that this was going to become one of those trapped in the car movies where it's just like yeah. these three people trapped while like, it's like Cujo, but you replace Cujo with a bear. Yeah. Um, something really tragic along those lines. Because like the circumstances are heightened to such a degree that it feels like it is completely wrong for what made the previous portion of the movie work, which is like, like we've been talking about this dinner scene where they're just like building tension really well. And it's, I, I'm like, I'm hesitant to call it cringy because it feels more, 
it doesn't feel yeah. embarrassing. It just feels fucking awful. <laughs> I see. I, yeah, I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying because yeah, there were moments where I just feel like it, the seams were showing a little bit, especially when there's a, a close up of Gabe, and I was just like, yeah, his jacket just feels like this hunk of green, just like this this ugly green blob, and I was like, this doesn't feel like the production didn't feel very high, and then yeah. the conversations are are very, kind of weird, but they're kind of. <laughs> But they're grounded, and the way yeah. the the drama is grounded, it feels like Dogma '95 or something. How like you're not supposed to introduce a weapon or like kill anyone, and then yeah. like we get to the point where it's like, oh, now the baby's hurt, and they're in a car accident, and there's a bear, yeah, yeah. and it's like, no, this is like completely what I don't want to happen. But then, after we come back from Black, we introduce Part Two. Uh, I think it's is it the bear by the barn or is what, what's that- it called? Uh, a bear on the side of the house. I, the I, bear I, on the side I, of the house. Yeah, I didn't have my phone. I usually have my phone when I'm taking notes, and I didn't write it down. But yeah, it's like the bear in the boat is part one, and then the uh, bear on the side of the house is part two. Uh, the bear by the boathouse. <laughs> yes, yes, that's part two. So yeah, part two is this interesting turn because it starts in a similar way that the uh, first part of the movie starts. It opens with Allison sitting on this dock. We have this big, wide shot of this like T-shaped dock and it's like pretty foggy. And so that's how the first first half of the movie starts. And so the second half we get a similar shot but it's a lot clearer. Hmm. I didn't I don't think I noticed that it was clear. That feels important. <laughs> uh I think it just goes along the lines with it just being a little bit of the the raw side of the movie because this is we will we'll, eventually we see her walk up and there's like a crew member smoking and and we find out that it's a movie set. Yeah. So I think it just goes along with the fact that it's just this yeah. other side of reality. It's a new, so it was a new brighter. Scene. Yeah. Um, it later it's foggier at the end when the movie's over, but yeah, it's like clearer. So yeah, in this part two, it is revealed that Allison is an actress sitting on a dock. She is being filmed by a crew and they, uh, she seems to be butting heads with the director. <laughs> Um, yeah. That's a way to put it easy. <laughs> yeah, um, he's giving her direction via megaphone, uh, like oh, he's on the boat, and he's just like, "We need one more." And then she's, he's like, "Why the fuck do we need one more take?" And he's just like, "Yeah, just like <laughs> pleading for another take via megaphone." So yeah, that's how we first get introduced. Yeah, to take, the taking tension. multiple takes of her just sitting on the dock and then getting up and walking away from the dock. Yeah. Um, and so part two over the course course of part two, it is revealed that. Uh, Christopher Abbott's character, Gabe, in this scenario, it is a whole new scenario. Um, Gabe is directing Allison, who is starring in a movie where her character feels more along the lines of Blair in the first scenario. She is um, she is the partner of this guy named Mike and her and Sarah G- Gaden still playing Blair uh sarah blair is actually an actress playing opposite of allison in this movie being directed by gabe um and yeah (laughs) it's 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 a different it's a whole different vibe yeah and the dynamic is is pretty sinister because we find out in like the scene right after is that gabe and blair are playing mind games to sort of coax a more I guess a more dramatic and a more severe performance out of Allison and she's totally falling for it. Yeah. Gabe and Blair are pretending to be having an affair on set. Gabe has been giving Blair, uh, he's been requesting less takes from Blair. He's really pushing 
Allison uh, in a way that Allison believes is unfair. Yeah, um, yeah. They are yeah showing up to meals uh, late and fairly <laughs> close in time with their hair messed up to give the presents that they've been sleeping together to create yeah. jealousy to dr- help drive Allison's performance. Um, Gabe is the worst director. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super super gnarly stuff. Yeah, just emotionally <laughs> abusing a person to try and get a performance out of them. Yeah, and, and as far as uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that we're led to believe that this is written by. Allison in this also in this or at least it's written by this actress in this scenario and that she got cast in this at you know not too much of the director's pleasure you know he wasn't too into her being cast in this is it is it clear that she wrote it I know that she requested to be in it oh I'm I guess I assume that just because of because there is the framing of it there is some back and forth where she understands she still knows all her lines or or she's also kind of like changing details about the script on set um yeah so maybe maybe there is an aspect of her having written this but uh, yeah at least i guess that's that's the assumption i made because it seems like even when she gets extremely drunk she's like i still know these lines and like i'm arguing about like just the I guess the the reasoning behind, or not not the reasoning, the motivation for doing said lines, and he's just like, "Yo, it's too late in the game. Like, where is the last day of shooting?" Yeah. So yeah, she uh, she gets overwhelmed by this this dynamic that Gabe and Blair have constructed, and so she gets wasted. And then uh, the second half of part two, she's completely drunk. She's still giving an incredible performance. So yeah. everyone's just kind of putting up with the fact that she's being incredibly unprofessional. Um, but I guess everyone is basically un- unprofessional on this film set. Yeah, it seems to be like I, I kind of interpreted it as like this has been a really long sort of process for everyone, and everyone is just very much ready for that martini shot, and they just want it to be over. Yeah, and I guess I sort of sympathize because I've had some experience on set, especially the moments where the director's yelling at the scripty one line <laughs> like but is, that was so up. fucking frustrating it's like yeah. the yeah the script supervisor's uh she's stoned she's eating a sandwich she doesn't know what page they're on no, literally based on my life I was like, this, is, this is for a tea my experience i'll say uh d- gabe directing he's chewing celery sticks and shit between like as they're shooting and it's like isn't yeah, it's this little, gonna fuck with the sound yeah th- there are some yeah that was a little silly there's also a little slapsticky just what they do with the like the coffee gag so it gets, yeah there are some some odd moments in the the second half that are a little yeah the silly. second half is far more comedic yeah. Um it's still it's still kind of emotionally grueling because of this this situation that Gabe and Blair have forced Allison into. Uh I feel I felt really bad for her. Like there's the, yeah. those later moments where she's just like breaking down crying. She like goes into a separate room and is just like having a complete breakdown and yeah, it's just like I don't know how anyone can feel good about what is like that there's a great scene where She's she's crying. Gabe is holding her and like trying to console her, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they're doing uh, room tone. They're recording room tone, which is like, why would you record room tone right now when someone's crying? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but it, it it creates this great situation where everyone is just standing in silence around a crying woman, and you feel like they should be reflecting on uh their poor decisions but um yeah the movie just kind of they have a party after that yeah and it seems like everyone uh goes along with this because yeah if 
the center of this is happening because of a deceit, something that is not true. It is Gabe and Blair sort of generating this this false energy. And but then eventually, yeah, doesn't the DP like sort of almost hooks up with Allison too in this weird like yeah. drunken state? And I was like, yeah, this is like getting kind of like dicey a little bit. And it feels and like Gabe I, knows about it, and Gabe and yeah. Allison, I believe, are together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I think it's definitely implied that, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I just liked the way that it sort of it contrasts the first half so well, just because it seems to be a a really raw interpretation of just uh, independent film set and just the relationships that can develop in this small microcosm of a world. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of reflection of how the, uh, Gabe is literally in the first half, and then how the character the director character is behaving in the second half when he's first half. He's like, I'm like, I'm not a male chauvinist. That's like the spark yeah. of his big outbra- outburst. But then in the second half, the director is totally being a chauvinist. You know, the, yeah. the first AD is he's like putting his hand out for the first AD to pour candy into his hand. I was like, okay, this guy is a dick. Yeah. Just, so I, don't know, I was just like, yeah, the, the back and forth is really interesting. And then, so yeah, the way this, this part, the scenario ends is that, um, so Gabe reassures Allison that like, you know, they're going to be together. He's, he never slept with Blair. Like, this is all in her head, kind of, which is even more abusive. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And Absolutely. then he wanders off. Blair has been into, clearly into him this whole time on set. They're, they're pretending that they're having an affair, but Blair, you could tell she really wants it. Um, yeah, she puts on the red, the red blouse yeah. during the cast party. She's, like, looking around for him. Uh, Blair goes out to the dock. She ends up going swimming, and we get sort of a recreation of what happened in part one where... Except this time it's Blair and Gabe hooking up and Allison catching them instead of uh, Gabe and Allison hooking up and Blair catching them. But before Allison can wander in and confront the two, uh, she sees this black bear and that's just like hanging out by the boathouse. Yeah. And she kind of turns to the black bear and she smiles. And what is what are what is insinuated by this? Like how do we how do we believe this story would have ended had it continued? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think my interpretation is that the black bear just, I, it I felt very Cohen-esque to me. Sort of just like this is just like the t- the tipping of the iceberg, or like it reminded me of like the tornado at the end of uh, spoiling um, a serious man, where it's just like mm-hmm. this, it's this this very large force is happening at the very end of all of our characters turmoil and it seems to be like this is going to be this force of nature that is going to push this over it's the going edge to and it's going to change the direction of what is that? the story basically yeah whether it be all for the horrible and you know it leads to all of them being eaten up by a bear or you know just whatever it may be i think it's just that's that's like the force of nature literally just being there to accent the climax uh, that, that's like the, the most the most way i can uh, sorry that's the way i usually interpret moments like that where it's just like, yeah it seems like this animal is just representing um, so there is sort of a third part to this movie which is there's kind of a framing device so the yeah. way the movie starts we see Aubrey Plaza Allison she's on a dock she gets up from the dock she wanders into a room sits down with a notepad and a pencil and she begins to write and then we get the part one uh, title and yeah. the title, the way the title appears, it looks like it's on note paper, right? There's these lines, these horizontal lines on the screen. Part two is the same thing. And then after this interaction with the bear, at the end of part two, we get the framing device again. Allison's sitting on the, the dock, wandering back into a room with the pencil and paper. And she looks at the camera <laughs> and the movie ends. Yeah. Um, 
And so I've seen a lot of people online discussing this and like trying to figure out what the narrative of this movie is. Some people think that, uh, you know, oh, the first half is reality. And the second half is like she, because the first half, you know, Allison's character, she's a writer. She's there to get inspiration. The second half is what she wrote. And, but she puts herself in the lead role. She just, she thought Blair's character was more interesting, I guess. So she decides to play Blair. Um, but yes, yes. I, w- I was chatting with a friend about this. I was like, what do you, what do you make of this, this bear? And I guess something he had read is that the bear just re- like the, the true story, like the real, uh, f- the reality of, of the movie is the framing story. It's just Allison sitting down to write and the bear represents when she hits a wall uh, in her writing. And so it's like, that's when she hits her, her, her writer's block. And so part one and part two, there's a lot of thematic crossover. And yeah, yeah. so it's just, it's just like two different drafts of her, her story. For some reason, she's yeah. hung up on a bear. <laughs> feels the need to incorporate a bear in it. But uh, I, th- yeah. I think that's the interpretation that I would go with. Yeah, I like the yeah the black bear representing writer's block. And wait, so correct me if I'm wrong. So they said that the first half is is like what actually happened in reality. It's like I don't think character... I don't think part one or part two are real. I think Allison is sitting down to write a story. She writes the first story. She you know black bear shows up. She decides not working. She writes a second story. Black bear eventually shows up. Maybe that's also not working. But I and I think the crossover, I think what this movie is about, is just about like how fiction and the creative process is informed by our our experiences. And so I think Allison is her experiences are the sort of shared uh, elements between the two stories. So one, the first story, it's about a writer experiencing writer writer's block, looking for uh, inspiration. She's an actress turned director and there's elements of like lying and infidelity (laughs) um and uh these uh, you know there's ideas about gender roles and she sort of sides with patriarchy yeah she she sides with the chauvinist (laughs) at one point (laughs) um she's not sure how she feels about like her i guess her identity as a woman and what what her what she should be doing with her life as a woman part two it's dealing with instead of writing you're dealing with production um and you're dealing with acting and directing uh instead of you know composing the piece and but you're also dealing with infidelity and so i think i think all of these things are probably things that have happened to allison and she's incorporating like she is a creative maybe she is a an actress turned writer director uh maybe she did have this sort of um you know love triangle thing happen with with Mike in both case in both stories there's a Mike in the first story Mike is an absent husband in the second story Mike is the character in the movie playing uh kind of what Gabe's role was in the first half yeah. um so I think there's a Mike in her real life and she's just yeah. incorporating all these ideas yeah that was one thing I was looking at it as just like a way to process a trauma like overall it's just like this is something that happened to Allison and I was thinking to the far extreme of maybe she was pregnant at one point and then experienced something like this where like it all sort of went wrong on the way to the hospital and like sort of interpreting this story in a written way as a way to process that. But then, yeah, just kind of shifting it to also a possibility and just like a a theoretical 
way that outcome would turn out. It's like, well, if I, what if I did a production of it, like, would I, you know, possibly break down and, you know, like this could be a way that that would happen. There's also an element of alcohol kind of t- making things take a downturn too. So, yeah, yeah. so if we're looking at it as a, you know, the framing device is the reality, then maybe, yeah, maybe that caused some of these, these problems for that went on to inspire these stories. Yeah. Because I think it's, interesting that the framing device is what is bookended with so in the beginning she's on the dock like i said it's foggy and on the end mm-hmm. at the movie it's foggy but when we have the production version it's sunny and so i yeah i think it could be playing just with yeah just the production size seems to be the one that is most in line to what actually happened but i don't know or it could be that she her her if the framing device is reality, she lacks clarity. She doesn't really know what to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, she's struggling to find her way. Yeah, yeah. So Super Strip, I really enjoyed. I, I think it. I'm a sucker for it because I have spent time on set, and like I said, I was a scripty who spent some time puffing weed at the wrong time and <laughs> being being called upon. So I guess I, the second half of this movie, I have a soft spot for it. But yeah, yeah overall, what what would you think about Black Bear as a whole? Um, I mean, I, I, li- I walked away liking it. I w- didn't really worry about like trying to figure out the narrative until today. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. At the time, I was just like, oh, it just feels like an experiment in writing. Like they made they wrote two different stories, played around with similar themes, tried to find like different angles for reusing ideas. Um, and then I guess, it, yeah, if you're looking at it as an experiment in writing, and then the framing device is a woman sitting down to write, then yeah, it's just about process. It feels like, it, it's like Barton Fink or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen Barton Fink? I think it's been a long time. Yeah. I need to rewatch it. But yeah, it's just like someone struggling to find inspiration while all of the inspiration is around them. They just got to use it. And yeah, I think I think it's just, yeah, someone trying to take the same batch of elements and construct something different out of them. And the framing device... You know, I, I would believe that there are enough clues within part one and part two to say that, like, uh, yeah, the framing. De- how should, I, don't, I don't know how to say this, but like Allison within the framing device is pulling inspiration from her own life and just inserting that shit into part one, and part two. Absolutely. Yeah. Just the way that the details connect between both of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, super clear between. Yeah. And the, the fact and that Mike she's and... a writer in this in yeah. like the first one and but like an actress. And I don't know. She's she's clearly a creative. And yeah, um, yeah. I, dug yeah. It. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's held down by like a very uh, yeah, a really good performance by uh, by Aubrey Plaza. And yeah, her, the second half is just really intense, just her kind of just crumbling on set, but still having a sense of control. And yeah, there's just a really nice balance there. And there's just like, it it does a great job of mining humor from like these kind of excruciating scenes too. Because like yeah. even in the, even in part one, when Blair falls down and her, she's bleeding and they're like rushing to the, get in the car to like take him to the hospital, take her to the hospital. Like, just the way Gabe yells at Allison to like drive, yeah. and it's like, why is she the one? Why is she the one? Yeah. Like you're both, not neither yeah. of you are in condition to be doing dealing with this shit right now. I don't know. I found humor in that, and I like to think it wasn't uh, unintended. So yeah, totally. I, I feel that. Um, but yeah, is that it for Black Bear? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I dug it. Um, I really liked Kaya, the the first AD character in uh, the second half. Oh yeah, like, uh, just like sort of just 
I, I enjoyed her character. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> I heard that um, there were no extras in the movie. That like anyone who can be considered an extra, any of the uh, people on set who didn't have lines, they were actually people who were working on set in the movie. <laughs> huh. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, Wikipedia says that they got the green seal from the Environmental Media Association for mm. you know, for sustainability. <laughs> okay. So, so well, there they're, is, they were doing <laughs> doing things right over there on set. There is a production company. One of my friends was looking for a job. Uh, she was, had like she'd been interviewing at this place that specializes in green productions. That like mm-hmm. everything they use on sets gets reused in some capacity. Like I don't know, probably all yeah, their crafty awesome. too is like compostable and shit. Yeah, that's great because. Yeah, I've been on some sets that were just like traditional, where there was just an obscene amount of waste and shit. And so it's always good to to meet those those uh, people in production who care about that and go to the point where they'll actualize it and take care of the people, but also yeah, take care of the trash in a way that's not just wasteful. Yeah, I could see like corporate uh, corporate gigs being like, oh, we need to make a commercial. Let's hire this green thing because we're all about sustainability. You know, it's a buzzword now. Yeah, totally. Um, what have you been watching lately? Um, been watching um, this Tiger Woods documentary with my dad. It's on HBO. Um, they did part one like a few weeks ago, then part two came out on Sunday. And yeah, watching it is interesting because I'm gonna go on. Are you a sports documentary person? Uh, I'm not really a sports person. Gotcha. So. <laughs> okay. So yeah, sports documentaries are for a specific type of <laughs> film fan, I guess. And yeah, The Last Dance was the big one that came out last year, and it's about Michael Jordan and the Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls and just them winning six championships and just the entire narrative of that. And so going along the, like, the, the trend of really big sports documentaries, HBO has one about Tiger Woods. And yeah, it's certainly not as good because I think The Last Dance is fantastic because you get to have Michael Jordan sort of telling the story, and he's there, and he's got like his glass of bourbon and he's just like just telling people like just telling you that how it is like how he hated these people and how he still hates them now it's it's really entertaining and so they have like yeah michael jordan and scotty pippen and steve kerr so they have all of these people who were there on the court they're talking now so it benefits from that but this you don't really have a lot of there's like tiger woods isn't hasn't talked yet and they hadn't they didn't uh, they don't have any footage of his dad Hmm. and so yeah it's weird like the people that, that are commenting are kind of like his, his caddy and like his like first girlfriend. So yeah, it's just weird. The people is that it they have building up to that. Like, it, um, I don't think Tiger Woods is going to show up. At least I don't okay. expect him to show up in the in the documentary. <laughs> it talking, feels like an unauthorized documentary. Oh, like a, like a tad. Like the footage is really good. I think all of the footage tells a story. Really, I think the story of Tiger Woods is like one of the things is in the sports world that's well known. I guess it's like. His dad being super intense from him, like day one, literally before he could talk, mm-hmm. he was swinging the golf club, so like, like diapers up until like him being the greatest golfer in the world. Yeah. it's all well documented apparently. So there's just like a lot of stuff they can mine. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love when yeah, like so, you get a, <laughs> it's a trip. You get like a biographical documentary where they were filming the whole fucking time. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Um, there's this great documentary, The Devil and Daniel Johnston. Are you familiar with Daniel Johnston? Yeah, like I've been looking to watch that movie. We were, he was really popular in the, in the cafe for a minute he, last year, right around when he pa- uh, passed away. Yeah, he when he was younger, he would just like have a camera and just be like recording 
himself and he wanted to like make movies and stuff and he was just like this creative entity and yeah when he was like a kid he he, like made a bunch of movies and um so they have all this footage of him like growing up basically and yeah yeah that's great like made it he basically made his own documentary (laughs) um yeah that's awesome yeah and like i feel like that definitely benefits from the story because we get to see him like on tv like as like oh yeah like this is like our guest this night is like it's earl woods and his son tiger and he's gonna like swing balls and it's just like he can't even put sentences together then yeah fast forward to him like at the masters like putting the jacket on it's just like like it's just bizarre you just see every single glimpse and i think it succeeds because i'm not interested in golf i kind of hate golf but i think it found a way to make it interesting and compelling so yeah. There's, there's some good good parts to it, but if you're interested, if you ever sit down for a sports documentary, I would highly recommend The Last Dance because, yeah, Michael Jordan is, is really entertaining. Right. And then uh, what have you been watching? Um, so, yeah, but before we recorded, I was saying I hadn't really watched anything, but I just remembered I watched WandaVision. Uh, did you yes. watch that? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, I was – I really, really dug it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> as soon as it – I, probably like two minutes in, I remember just like as soon as there was a break in dialogue, just like turning to Emily and being like, I can't believe this is TV now. <laughs> like, this is what TV is. Like, this is yeah, insane yeah. that this exists. Like, imagine like telling someone back when the first Iron movie came out, like, oh, there's going to be a Marvel TV show, live action, high budget, but it's going to be starring Wanda and the Vision. <laughs> and yeah. it's going to be a take on classic sitcoms. The first episode is black and white. The first two episodes are black and white. <laughs> Um, yeah, oh, I love that first episode so much. I was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it, it kind of it gives me like a too many cooks vibe or something like that, where it's just it's oscillating between like playing with the tension of the mystery of like what the fuck is going on and <laughs> yeah. like moving into uh, you know just like sitcom bullshit, <laughs> just like silly yeah. fun sitcom bullshit, and like yeah, totally. So when it's getting into the tension, I'm like. Just fucking tell me what the mystery is. Like, tell me what the fuck is going on. (laughs) But then sometimes it navigates into the sitcom stuff. And I get so caught up in that that I forget about the mystery. And that's how I know it's like it's working and what it's doing, it's doing well. Um, Yeah. And I think it also is remarkably charming, too, because, yeah, like a lot of superhero shows are really gritty. The whole big the first wave of them was like Daredevil and then Punisher. Like there's really brooding, heavy like yeah like Luke Cage like these really serious violent uh Netflix shows and so I feel like this is the exact opposite tonally where we have this really charming romance at the center of it it's like I Love Lucy thing and the first one I think that's the main the main thing they're parroting in uh the first episode yeah but I think it's more like Bewitched in the second one yeah definitely like but yeah yeah their romance is just it's incredibly charming to me it's like I think they're great, um, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. Yeah, and yeah, th- yeah. The first episode, just yeah, in this old, old fifties format, and yeah, she's like doing like the, like the cooking thing and like all the like balancing all all of the the pieces of food. And yeah, it's just like it's really silly and really whimsical and and playful. But yeah, then it gets dark when like the the, um, the boss is choking, and then like she's like save him, save him, yeah. save him, and, it's and just, that like, fucking it's, like, the the way it's shot oh, when they're at that table, and like you only see the back of Paul Bettany's head, and he's not moving, like while that's yeah. happening, like that was so fucking good, like it just made it feel so much creepier. Yeah, I don't even know if I noticed that. I was too stuck yeah, on it. Yeah, because it's De- like Deborah Show Rough. The table was at like an angle, and you could see everyone except for Paul Bettany, and he's sitting completely motionless, and you just see the okay. back of his head, and it's like, I don't know. It just uh, made it feel that much creepier. I loved it, man. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I was going to even mention even the people were kind of complaining that the credits were long, but I was like, I love the the tone of the first section of the credits. Like, it just feels very interesting and just like, yeah. Oh, the opening scary. credits? Um, or the closing uh, credits? The, oh, the, so the closing, well, in the closing credits, there's two parts. There's, like, I, the colorful part and then, like, just the plain black and white scrolling text. Okay, yeah. And that, and that first part where it's, like, all of the doors, which I assume might be something multiverse-related. Yeah. The music in that section I, I like a lot. It just and feels like, very uneasy. It's very uneasy, and it just feels like the episode isn't quite over yet. It just it feels Yeah, and, like, all teasy. the R- RGB stuff, like, um, just... Yeah, it's it kind looks... of just being in a trance a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's really cool. Um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm definitely gonna watch the whole season. <laughs> yeah, up. yeah, I want to know. I wanna... Like, so, so our viewers can now keep up. And, <laughs> so no spoiler I... warnings from, from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna just jump right into. And it. I do. Li- I like when we. I like when we have this connective tissue of every week we touch base on a TV show too. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it also is. It's great because it's not. It doesn't feel. At least not yet. It doesn't feel super connected to any phase things it's or gonna like get overarching there. thing. It, it, it eventually is going to get there, but at least these first two episodes feel like nice, weird chunks of television that are just really, yeah, charming and odd and offbeat. Yeah. Because I think she's going to be in the Doctor Strange movie. Um, Sam Raimi's yeah. directing. And I know there's like a bunch of people on the cast who have been in other movies, so they're going to start things together i mean it's yeah, totally. it's crazy that there have been like 23 marvel movies or something like that and this year we didn't have any and so throwing this on and hearing that intro music that that thing yeah, yeah like it was like oh yeah i used to sit in a theater and hear this and that like set the tone of you know what my comfort level was gonna be <laughs> like oh this is my my cinematic comfort food i'm about to eat some candy right now and now sitting down to watch this at home, it's 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 weird. Yeah, it's definitely different to to change that because, yeah, that triumphant horn, like that horn, that horn run or whatever is, yeah, it it very much was the eventful like call to action Avengers sounding thing, especially towards the end when it was uh, when it was Endgame when you hear it when you're like when it finally comes in, it's like oh shit, like this is. Yeah, we're like, doing this it. This is our battle. Music. <laughs> this is like it's like our battle music, like our horns of battle. <laughs> you like see all of the other characters in the in the logo and everything. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah, like the gang's all here. Like, let's all go. So, yeah, props to them for for finding that perfect chord arrangement. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just waiting. Like we've had it well, since we've had a year off from Marvel, or maybe over a year now. Um, yeah, I feel like I was able to reflect on all of these movies and be like, you know what, Marvel, they are kind of dumb. <laughs> like these movies, they're kinda, like yeah. Endgame, Endgame, it's, it has like some of the highest highs I've ever experienced watching a movie. Uh, like being in that theater, it was insane. Like uh, the Captain America Thor thing is like, yeah, it's like, I was like, this is like watching porn or something. <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, everyone was just losing their fucking minds. Um, and like, uh, auto kill mode or whatever spider-man act- activating kill mode um yeah i was like i didn't know i wanted that and now, now i'm realizing i wanted this thing but um yeah super extravagant like those mo- I, yeah go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say i was like admittedly i i might have been a little bit uh underwhelmed b- during those movies because i was thinking about this the other day too i was like dang i feel like i started off 
um, the whole Avengers thing and this whole Marvel phase with a lot of my seeing movies with a lot of my friends. Yeah. And I didn't see uh, Endgame or um, Infinity War. The one that Infinity. Yeah, I saw both of those by myself just because of the way. The way scheduling was going on yeah. those days, I was like, I just need to go watch this movie just so it doesn't get spoiled yeah. for me when I go into work tomorrow by some idiot, which which happened frequently. I have a lot of mo- movies that got spoiled while I was making coffee for that person. Oh, and I was like, sucks, oh, man. <laughs> I, <was just> like, <laughs> I remember, like, being in a lift and, like, we had just gotten out of a movie and we were talking about a movie. And then I was like, we got to shut up because, <laughs> like, we don't know this driver. I think we, like, to ask the driver, like, hey, are you going to see this movie? Like, have you seen it yet? And they were like, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll be cool. Like, don't worry. But, yeah, like, just, like, reflecting on all of the Marvel movies. And that, like, I think I think what did it was, like, the, the Star Wars movies ended. And then I thought about, like, okay, what is what does this Star Wars trilogy mean? And they... It, they're very disappointing, unfortunately. <laughs> and yeah. trying to take that same like critical lens and apply it to the Marvel movie. I feel like no one does that to the Marvel movies because they're pleasing enough that they don't necessitate a, a real critique. Because yeah, if you yeah, wanted to dig into that. those, you could. Like Endgame, yeah. Captain Marvel just shows up. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> and, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it, yeah it definitely benefits from just being more popcorny. Popcorny yeah. surface level. Like the stakes aren't here. as high because there's no, it's not pretending to have any sort of like spiritual message or any sort of real philosophy behind it. Um, Does that encourage you to watch more of them going into the future? As we, or... I mean, like I said, they're my cinematic comfort food. It's just like okay. I'm eating candy. Like I'm not gonna say that candy isn't doesn't taste good. It's like bad for me. <laughs> it's rotting my for teeth, sure. but. Still tastes good. Um, I feel it. Yeah, I'm a little. I'm like. I feel like I'm getting a little bit more disconnected from the characters, but I, I, I keep getting sucked in every time I say I don't want to watch the content. It comes out, and then it's it's really good, or it's yeah. They find ways to surprise me every time. I mean, I, I feel like I was disappointed by, uh, Far From Home. I didn't like. Yeah. yeah, same. I didn't like Captain Marvel. I didn't like Ant Man Two, <laughs> uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember Ant Man too. I haven't seen Captain Marvel. I think all three of those might be the three most recent, like solo movies, like quote unquote solo, non Avengers movies, basically. Um, yeah, and I think um, Doctor Strange might have been towards the. Oh, end I didn't like Doctor Strange, <laughs> so I don't like a lot of these, but I keep going okay. back. Um, I yeah, I wasn't crazy about Doctor Strange either. It has such a weird tone to that movie, and yeah, his powers are just kind of odd to me they seem to be extremely extremely powerful for what for for one person but yeah i, I think the sam raimi movie will be good because it's you know yeah, sam raimi and i think that's they, you know they don't have to set up they can just mess around and just go crazy i think that is part of why i keep coming back too is because it's like there are so many talented people attached to these things that it's like okay yeah like taika watiti doing a thor movie it's like okay what the fuck's that gonna be i guess i have to see it and he's making another one. Well, I enjoyed, I had fun with the first one, so might as well go check out this next one. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, the first one feels like he was he was proving himself. So now that he's proved himself, they're gonna let him go crazy. Like, what's he gonna do next? Um, yeah, and that's such an interesting series or interesting franchise that went from arguably being one of the, the worst. worst ones yeah. to being like one of the most beloved. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it all goes back to the the point that they can they can surprise and they can find a way to to make it really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's it then for this week. Yeah. 
Okay, so next week we're ending ending the Matrix. Yeah. We're not ending X, so we're doing Revolutions. Are we going to do? Yeah, then we're going to do Animatrix uh, X, uh, okay, a couple weeks after that. But yeah, we're ending the trilogy at least. Cool. So ending with Revolutions. Mm-hmm. And is Emily going to be a guest? Uh, yeah. So Emily, who I've alluded to many times on this show, <laughs> my wife, <laughs> uh, she's going to come on and she's going to talk Matrix with us. Yeah, it's vague zone cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Been building it out for <laughs> yeah, twenty two yeah. episodes. So, we yeah. gotta get the uh, still good guys in here. Yeah. So yeah, if Gavin, if you're listening, we're, we're thinking of <laughs> if you. If you're listening, which you're not. <laughs> uh, we're gonna... Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. So yes, if you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you would like to tweet at us, you can tweet at vaguezone. We will tweet back. You know, if you have questions, lists, uh, concerns, if you have comments. If you would like to tell us to fuck off, you can tell us that. We'll read the tweet. It's all good. Um, yeah, this has been episode 23 of Vague Zone. I have been one of your hosts. Thomas, with me always, has been... Daniel. Yeah, and so thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.